This is Moni's Happy Happy Down the Rabbit Hole, the Paranormal and Beyond. Down the Rabbit Hole, live today, topic Vlad Tepish, and this is our first time going live, right Rachel? That's right, <laughs> it is, I'm very excited, it's a uh, new format for us. Ian, there he is. Oh Ian, hi. Hey. There you are. Right. <laughs> it's nice to put a face to the voice. Okay, Yay. I think I got it. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, Hello. Awesome. Oh, isn't, so we are isn't technology <laughs> wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So our yeah. live stream is Facebook right now, too. <laughs> So I just want to say hello to everyone out there in Facebook land. And uh, this is Down the Rabbit Hole, the Beyond Paranormal podcast, and we've gone live. So, hey, yes. so today was the first day that everybody. <laughs> this is our first rodeo, our first and show, our first rodeo. rodeo. We've, got, we've got myself, Sika, and Rachel, That's and right. Ian, and uh, they are the co-hosts of this show with me. So today's topic is, what's today's topic? Vlad Tepesh. Vlad Tepesh, yay. Which I've actually been really looking forward to covering. And I know I've been begging you, Sika, to uh, talk about Vlad Tepesh because uh, I think he's just such a a really prominent figure, Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I think uh, just Vlad as a man, as you know, the real life version of Vlad and actually him as a myth and as a vampire and being portrayed as Count Dracula and Bram Stoker's uh, version. Um, there's just so much out there about um, Vlad Tepesh. Uh, I really just um, went down the rabbit hole literally when it came to uh, researching him and had a really hard time downsizing the information i'm sure you know what that's like seeker you just you go down it and down it and down it because uh you know he had such a really fascinating life um and uh, he had a very hard life um Mm And, he, you know, there was a lot of, he, he did a lot of physical fighting. There was a lot of wars. He was constantly fighting for his um, his home seat, his, his own throne. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it's, I think, you know, in a way, I find it quite admirable. You know, I find him quite admirable. I know that might surprise some people. He's been portrayed, you know, uh, because of, I think, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and a couple of other uh, stories, vampiric stories that, you know, he's been portrayed as this bad guy. Um, right. And uh, actually, I discovered in Romania, uh, they actually see Vlad not as a bad guy, um, as an actual hero in his own country, because all he was doing at that time was trying to defend the people of Romania and against thieves, against, you know, they were constantly fighting the, the Ottomans and uh, the Hungarians. They were one minute aligned with the next minute they weren't. So it was just, it was so yeah, much was going pretty, on. It was yeah. a pretty tumultuous time then, yeah. right? In yeah. general in Europe. And so I think that, um, that and, and that's kind of why I titled this, you know, Vlad, the man, the myth yeah. and the monster. Because right. there there seems to be those categorizations of him. Yeah. And we should yeah. probably talk about him as the man initially. Right. So that people yeah, understand absolutely. um, you know, where where he was in history and how his life and, and what he contributed or what he did played a big part in that part of Europe at right. that time. Because we're yes. talking here the you know, it's a period between essentially what we would classify medieval and yes. and Renaissance. And right. so yes, he was considered the uh, a medieval ruler of, and it was the he was the ruler of Wallachia, um, right, right. and he was. Uh, and I just want to sort of make it clear and clarify uh, more about who is the man. Um, I'm talking about Vlad Tepes the uh, third. His father, you know, he his father was the second, and I guess there can be some confusions, obviously. Um, so I just want to make it clear. Yeah. I'm, talk, I'm talking about uh, Vlad Tepes the um, third. His time of birth would have been a, a between uh, 1428 and uh, 1431, um, and he sadly died in 1476. 
Sussex. Um, and they said that they, they believe that Vlad was most probably born after his father settled in Transylvania in 1429. Um, and he was born the second son of the nobleman Vlad Dracul II, which is uh, what I mentioned. Um, and I'm but, just going to interject here for a second because we sure. need to talk about the name. Because yeah, Vlad, was like, about because Vlad to. <laughs> is not really his name, right? Well, Dra Vlad Dracul. Taylor. So, yeah. And so, in reality, his father was made a knight in the Order of Dragons. That's right. right. By That's Polar. correct. I guess, it, no, I shouldn't say that. And was so was he, right. At the time. Yeah. And so, his father was given the name Dracu or Dracu. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Dracula is essentially yes, just son of. Son of. That's right. right? So son much of. like you would have Anderson or uh, right. Mac or Mick in Scottish and, and Irish. Yes, and that's exactly it. Again, you know, denotes yeah. that that means he was the son of. But it's important to say because this really started with his father. Right. Yes, it and definitely it did. Start yeah. It started with his father. And I think the pinnacle of, of everything that Vlad did in his life was due to what happened to him, his father, and his brother Radu, because mm -hmm. they were all taken hostage, essentially, right. at a meeting that was supposed to not go yes. in that direction, right? Yes, yes, it changed everything. It changed and, uh, Vlad's yeah. whole course. Um, uh, yeah, that was yeah, an and, incredibly and so, a, a real pivotal uh, moment. Uh, when, right, and that uh, meeting yeah. led to, to the three of them being taken hostage, mm -hmm. but they allowed uh, Dracul Sr. to to go on the subdication that his sons would remain as part of the, you know, right, as part of the bargain, <laughs> the to basically demonstrate Vlad, uh, Vlad II's loyalty. Um, mm. It was yeah, to prove that he was going to be loyal son, and keep his right? word. He left yeah. his sons there. Yeah, right. So, Ian, what yeah. did you find when you were doing your research here? Did you do you feel that that would be a sort of a pivotal point in in his life, or do you think there's some other things that maybe led to the later stories of of Vlad Dracula? No, I would agree with that. Um, I will say that uh, when I was doing my research, I found um, researching Vlad the individual. Uh, mm -hmm pretty much just as boring as uh, <laughs> as the vampire novel from uh, Bram Stoker, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I don't know what Wait a minute. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, not a lot is known about his mother, Vlad's mother. It's not, it's not mentioned a lot, but apparently modern histori historians identify Vlad's mother as either the daughter or kinswoman of Alexander I of Moldavia, or as his um, father's unknown first wife. Right, yeah, and, and that's not yeah. uncommon, right? We're gonna do a show on Elizabeth Bathory. So yes, we're gonna find out just how denoted women become in historical mm. references, right? Because Absolutely. she didn't play a pivotal role at that time with the Ottomans or, you know, so mm -hmm. of course her name is sort of removed and she somewhat is removed from, from the, the story because she is merely a, a wife okay. and a mother to these, to, you know, to Vlad Dracul and to Vlad and Radu. And the interesting thing that I find here is it really does start from that point where they were taken, the boys remained with the Ottomans, they were raised by the Ottomans, they were schooled by the Ottomans, they, you know, in arts and culture and, and things. And it's interesting because Radu went in a different direction than Vlad, and I think Vlad always resented the fact that they were yeah. taken, and, and Radu sort of sided with the Ottomans, and Vlad went on to become more of a warrior and a horseman and Radu not so much he he just you know I think he was a little less strong-willed at that point yeah. than Vlad right I think Vlad was probably the the more strong-willed of character um right which, again, and, and Radu was much younger and I think far more influential yeah. you know he was about 14 um at the time of the hostage mm -hmm. so uh yeah, yeah. It, it makes a difference. Pressurable age, yeah. Stockholm syndrome, for sure. Yep. And they really helped, they really put Radu on a, pad, a, 
pedestal, as it were, and worshipped him. And uh, I guess he was very well revered. Um, I think he was known as Radu the Beautiful. And um, right, yeah. yeah, it was, it was. Well, and, and they do touch on that. There's some films and some historical things that talk mm -hmm. about Radu in a different light um, than, than Vlad, of course. But in terms of um, sort of jumping ahead, because, you know, our show is now one hour as opposed to two. Right. <laughs> because we're live, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's just easier for us to stick to an hour. But, um, you know, sort of jumping ahead as using that as, um, you know, growing up under that Ottoman influence. And when he is finally out of there and heads back home, you know, he has a real hate on for them at this point. As he um, should. I mean, I don't think well, he was wrong to do so. <laughs> I kind of yeah, agree with exactly. him with him on this. So, so Ian, for you, what what is the interesting part of Vlad's life? Like, I'm I'm talking in terms of you know, do you find him more interesting from the the stories that come later, or just uh, you know, me? More, what, His, no, uh, Ian. Uh, oh, Ian, I'm sorry, Ian. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, for me, I find it's the it's the whole Dracula um legend the 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 writing that bram stoker created based upon um at least from what we've all understood based mm -hmm. upon vlad right um, yeah. yeah that's that's what i find interesting as as uh, you mentioned off the top uh these days in romania he is still considered yes a, a very much revered national hero mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah. you also hear the other side of the stories where he's just this uh, monster, tyrannical, right? Yeah. Kind of well, that that existed. Person, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was the reasons that he was tyrannical. You know that I mean that was you know there was a reason he was called uh, Vlad the Impaler because that was his favorite. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. form of uh, torture you know and he was just he, he he did everything he could to instill fear um you know in the hearts of everyone you know he uh, was notorious for it but it was all his enemies we just want to clarify you know everything yeah, he yeah, did it was to get not his the enemies. people of his area right and right and exactly the that he had a beef with were were the the boyar the the boyars the the upper class the upper class yes. and it seems funny because we think of him as this wealthy man and this person of means but that class was much different towards, mm -hmm. even towards them, right? Because of what had happened to his father and what had happened to the family in general, the upper echelon of society did not view them in a good light. So oh, no. they didn't think highly of them. So, you know, I think that he was more for the every person and not so much for the the upper class, which yeah. avoid the upper class. Um, but I also find it interesting that there seems to be a lot of myth around him too, right? And in terms of the Dracula story, of course, but also in terms of historically what happened and the numbers of people that he supposedly impaled and how he impaled and the fact that he rolled his dining, you know, out to the fields to watch tens of thousands of people suffering while he sat there and ate his dinner. Um, is that really true? Or is that another one of those things that just, you know, becomes part of the myth of Vlad Tepes or Vlad, you know, Vlad Dracula? I'm, I'm, I've done a lot of research on this and I find that while I'm sure there's some, always some truth, I do believe a lot of the numbers were greatly inflated Saturated. to yeah. make him appear much more um terrifying and i think that was done a little bit you know it was propaganda of the time it worked in both directions if the ottomans heard about that they were terrified um if his own people heard about that they cheered right yeah right it's the ottomans. equivalent of the british uh robin hood in a way you know they yeah. robbed the poor you know robbed the rich for the poor it's the same but, kind yeah, of thing. It, I mean, it's it's an age-old story of good versus evil, really. And then somewhere along the way, the good is influenced by the evil and becomes this, this right. myth of this, you know, this monster that becomes Dracula. And, you know, then Bram Stoker takes this history 
and takes advantage of the name especially because it really was the name that he latched on to. Dracula. Dracula. And that was really what propelled it, you know, and also the, the Nosferatu because that yes. name is also associated with it. And that's an interesting term unto itself because it's, it, it kind of means um, evil and, you know, bad and demon and blood sucking and, and all of those things. And so we now have this term that Bram Stoker has used, Nosferatu, plus he, and it's Nosfera, but Nosferatu. And then he's taken Vlad's name, Vlad Dracula, and made it into this, this creature based on some of these stories. Um, yeah. I mean, I do want to mention too, though, there's an Irish story as well um, about a, a king that kind of goes awry and, um, and drinks people's blood as well. Oh, so I, I didn't know that. That Stoker would have um, probably taken that folklore, that tale, and merged oh, it with the yeah, with the Vlad tale to get this creature that becomes, you know, Count Dracula, <laughs> right? And right. So, yeah. so, so Ian, what did you find? Um, I mean, did you do some research on the correlation between Vlad Dracul's actual life, his Dracula's life, and then Bram Stoker's sort of building of this this mythos, this monster for his book? Did you did you get a chance to look into that or? Well, there's from what I've read that um, it's Vlad. His his life story, as we say, is is based upon is the creation of the book but right. there have been um historians and researchers that have gone into and really studied uh yeah. bram stoker's work within creating this book and they actually say that it's only very loosely based on the vlad yeah. story yeah that there really isn't much more than just the the idea behind what vlad was that went into yeah, the book itself the to create mostly, Dracula. Like I, said, I think it really was the name that he he used more than anything to depict his his creature, right? I, I think that the name, I mean, because let's face it, it's a pretty cool moniker. If yes, it is. That, <laughs> it just right? so happens to be. You know, the last name, Son of the Dragon. Or, I know, know it's not dragon, epic. Right? So, you know, and, and so it's, it's a kind of, I mean, it's, it's so fits with the time period too, right? That, you know, that yeah. sort of Gothic medieval, you know, verging on the Renaissance, um, right. got all of these things that come together and create this, this myth, this man, this, this actual man who goes on to become this myth and this monster. Um, right. What I find really interesting though, is all the things over the years that have been tied to Dracul or Vlad Tepish or you know Vlad Dracul, um, things like Bran Castle. Bran Castle, which they market the heck out of That's in it. Transylvania, and Vlad yes. Tepish was never ever at that castle. It wasn't <laughs> castle. And, oh, that's you know, funny. And, but they they marketed as such. I actually have wine yes. from there that. Uh, oh, did I you? Went, yeah, that she oh, went that's to visit. Awesome. Me back. I've got a sketch, actually, a beautiful signed sketch of the castle, and I've got wine that was created in their vineyards. Wow, this Dracula wine. Um, Are you yeah. sure it's actually wine and not blood inside there? <laughs> <laughs> I've never opened it, so I, that's I a good know. question. It. It's supposedly wine, as far as I know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I I don't think they're bleeding villagers in the nearby vicinity for the filler bottles. But um, you know, I I find it interesting that the myth has become huge. There was also yes. a story, and I couldn't find any truth to this. So it's a story historical story um, that claims that in 1476, Vlad's head was actually dunked into a barrel of honey and shipped to, to, the, um, to the Roman emperor at the time to um, actually at that time, I believe it was the, uh, I think it was Murad II, who was 
in charge of the Ottoman Empire. And he oh. supposedly received Vlad's head in this barrel of honey to preserve it and then stuck it on a pike outside the, the entrance to Constantinople to let yeah. people know that, that he had you know, conquered Vlad Dracul, Dracula mm -hmm. and the Dracul family and that you know, they were the big heroes of, of the day. Um, I couldn't find any actual historical proof of that. I mean, it's going back 600 years. But generally, when things like that happen, they show up in documents or documentation. And I was not able to find anything um, to that. But it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But I think the mystery is, too, we don't really know where Vlad ended up. There's rumors he was buried on an island. Uh, by this little church, this chapel. Right. There's, Nobody. You know, there's. there's I've heard that before. Going. Yeah, that that he's yeah. buried in some churchyard somewhere. That some little island yeah. chapel that that his body was uh, buried in, and whether his head, whether he was decapitated or not, is you know something we won't know unless we really find his body, right? <laughs> But I mean, there's all these other tales that go with it too, like, um, you know, his wife plunging to her death from the ramparts of the castle because she was so distraught over, you know, over him uh, losing his life and, and all of these things. And again, there doesn't seem to be any real records for this. I can't seem to find right? that. I couldn't find anything about his love life, really, just more no, about his political actions. Yeah. We know he had children, we know he was married. Um, but we don't really have a lot of records to say what exactly happened to um, Vlad himself, yeah. uh, outside of the fact that, you know, he did meet his end eventually at the hands of the Ottoman, but we don't really know where he ended up. And that's just the thing. It's, um, it seems odd to me because if the Ottoman had actually ended his life, I would have figured they would have, yes, indeed, taken his head or his entire body back to Constantinople and made quite a show of it. You would right? think but, so. Uh, yeah. You would think that, exactly. But I, I didn't find anything to say other than that, you know, moment of the head in the barrel of honey being shipped back to, to Murad II um, so that he could put that on a pike in front of the gates of you know the city, the entrance to the city, but um, it's it's a sort of a, one of those stories where I think it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? Just like absolutely, it, it's really yeah, just, yeah, taken on a life of its own as yes. it, as it and and even coming into the the modern times. I mean, we are still talking about this man. We are here. We are <laughs> here. We are talking. I'll probably about be flattered. <laughs> And, and you know who he was and and what kind of person he was we don't really know that and and that's sort of what I find interesting is that um we have a glimpse through his childhood through his early sort of formidable years and then we have a glimpse of you know when he was with the Ottomans and then we have these stories that just become larger than life in terms of you know, what he did in his country in Transylvania and, you know, with the Ottomans and that. And I mean, you have to kind of pick through those things and look for what seems more most plausible, right? Like what, what seems more real, you know, do you believe that he put a dining room table, a table out into the field and, and consumed his dinner while he watched the Ottomans writhing on poles that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. quite possible. It's right? possible. <laughs> it was considered a leadership tactic. It was considered right. Right. he was doing it deliberately to obviously to disturb and terrify people into behaving. If they did that in one village, one person would run to the next and you know pass it on and say, "Look what he just did to this village." Um, they're probably going to be a little compliant. Because it was while he was, you know, sort of going at, at the um, aristocracy, mm. I, I think that this was mostly Ottoman, you know, Ottoman invaders who had come in that he was, you know, he was putting. Yeah. Oh, putting for sure. But you have to think about this too, right? This is one man we're talking about. And so he's one man commanding an army of men. 
So Vlad single-handedly did not do this, right? This right. would have been a military effort, of yeah. course, right? This is not, you know, Vlad's, Vlad is often talked about, but in terms of what we really see here, this was a military effort at that time to stop an invasion of people from another country. And I think that that doesn't get talked about very much either, right? I was looking into how he was as a, a commander, as a general, if you yeah. want to call it, um, as someone who, who oversaw an army and gave instructions. And part of what I've read, he seems like he was indeed quite strategic and very, very brilliant in terms of, of what he set out to do. But I think that parts of um, what he did do failed him mm -hmm. as well as he, you know, as things moved forward for him. He, he was captured more than once, right? I right. believe it was three times he was actually captured by the Ottomans. Well, he Why reclaimed his throne about three times. Know, you know, so it, 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 it must have been. It's, well, I mean, obviously he was taken as, as a, a young teen, right, mm -hmm. with his brother and his father. But then he was captured and then he was captured again. So somewhere along the way, he, you know, he was let go or escaped. Did anybody look that up to see what he did? I, I think know, he was let go. <laughs> yeah, he was let go. He was, he was actually let go. let go to go back. Yeah. When, he, when his father, I did look it up. <laughs> when, when his father, I, I when his father it, right? I wanted to ask. <laughs> I did look it up. So when, when, yeah, when his father, uh, when his father passed away, um, he, which was in uh, 1448, um, he was released um, to take his place on the Wallachian right. uh, throne. Oh. And, and that yeah, was the first his father, time when he was yeah. a child. Yeah. Yeah. And then again later, during during some of these, um, you know, I, I don't want to call them wars, but skirmishes or or you know battles. Um, battles, he was again captured and let go. It just it's it's like I think that's that what I was saying. There's so many back and forth. <laughs> it, there well, was, it was so a very many. He did like not stop fighting with... even till the end. He did not stop fighting for his country. No, he didn't. And, and that's, that's sort of the interesting thing with him. And I, I really can see how he developed into that heroic symbol for his people, right? Yeah. He, they needed somebody to stand up for them. Yes, and exactly. He was, he was that guy. He was. He the gave one them that, hope. Yeah, he gave them hope and he also was against that aristocracy who was, you know, bleeding the, 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 I don't want to say peasantry because I don't consider them peasantry, the everyday right. person, um, yeah. you know, dry essentially of food and, and, you know, whatever little bits of money that they were making. Um, it was quite a harsh environment then. Um, the interesting thing too, is if we look at, um, countries around Romania, um, Hungary often helped Vlad in his efforts, but then there were times where they stepped away. Um, and then you look at sort of what's going on around them in different, in different, um, you know, sort of different uh, scenarios. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on in Europe at that time. You had things happening in Italy, you had things happening in Germany, uh, yeah, know, it was so a crazy time. <laughs> it was a crazy time, right? There was, I mean, the expansion, um, the push by the Ottomans, and and of course, this isn't the first time that this has happened in that in that region, right? You had before that, you had, and I mean, we're talking, you know, considerably earlier than that, you had Attila the Hun, and then you and you had the the Khans, right? Geng Genghis Khan, and and uh, you know that too, right? Pushing their way through Europe. And I think at this point, um, we find that uh, Vlad is, is probably pretty done with most of that. But it doesn't seem to really affect anywhere outside. Like Romania, Romania is a pretty large country. And yeah. this seems- I've never been there. Have you been there? Um, I would love no, to visit. I, um, I, I have family from there, but I, I have not been there. But um, it's a fairly large country, but this was really sort of, you know, 
I mean, at that time, Romania is not what it is today. But like you say, like, yeah, like Wallachia and, and different regions. Um, today, that's Transylvania. Yes. Right. So, yes. you know, but and, and that's, and that's one of the connections thing. between Bram Stoker's uh, right. Dracula mm -hmm. and um, the, the person himself is Transylvania is one of those. Because that's where he right. Was. Yeah. And it's it's an interesting sort of like I say, it's an interesting thing when you get right down to it. And um, it, it really is, you know, were they embellished stories? And so it's sort of the the whole <laughs> sort of everything rolled up in this in this, you know, sort of ball of wax. Right. Yeah. So let's talk sort of about this um, again, his death. Right, because after he impaled the Ottomans, um, all the prisoners of war, uh, he was kind of forced into exile in Hungary, right? And that's why right. I say like Hungary sort of sided with him. And at that point too, we now see Radu making his yeah. way into um, military campaigns and essentially he takes over governing yeah. where Vlad was in Wallachia. And so, his brother is, ends up dying and the local uh, retinue, really the, <laughs> the retinue, the, the local, you know, people of wealth um, favor Vlad to come back again. So you've got this out, you've got this in, you've got this out, you've got this yeah. in. And, and Radu, her Vlad's brother is also yeah. just, again, is another fascinating, um, individual, another fascinating character. Um, right, right. And that's the other thing, right? Like we have, we have this, you know, where is Vlad buried kind of thing. Yeah. Um, his tomb. And uh, I believe they, they said he is buried in a monastic churchyard. Right. And I, and I'm I, trying to think where it that's was. Where I, it? That's um, yeah. I, I have a Kamana monastery, Kamana, okay. Romania. Right. And um, I think that was just essentially where Bucharest is today, right around the, the city yeah. of Bucharest. Yes, so, correct. Um, yeah, you know, and it's along the Danube, right? The Danube River. Yes. For people that are familiar, you may know mm -hmm. the Blue Danube Waltz, right? Which is quite often a ballet. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's just sort of an interesting story. But I want to touch more on the Bram Stoker while we still have some time because... I sure. think we really wouldn't know who Vlad is today without Bram Stoker's Dracula bringing his name forward, right? So we kind of all know how we feel about about Dracula, <laughs> the man, <laughs> the book, live. Um, it's a painfully dry read and I know there's mm -hmm. going to be people yeah, that we, we did talk about that <laughs> um, all three of us here yeah. believe that it's a very dry read it doesn't mean that <laughs> yes. it's, it's just I found it hard to get through in parts but it certainly had some interesting um, you know moments to it right and and I mean it's gone on it's obviously it is in our pop culture mm -hmm. it's a good read it's just a very dry read Right, right. Yeah, it's got its moments. Like sometimes the book, I find that when finally, um, you know, the castle scenes happen and you're actually in the castle and that description of the castle and sort of those strange things that are going on, that yeah. part reads really well. Oh, but yeah, it does. The fact that it's, you know, it's kind of a lot of letters. <laughs> a lot of different like journaling and letters and stuff like Dracula like we mentioned like Frankenstein and like quite a few novels um from that era because it was a style of writing in the Victorian era but I just find this one it it actually loses me at in parts because it seems very disjointed and I don't know if you guys felt like that if you remember you know reading it I kind of went yeah, back and I did feel that, did that show. I felt I felt like it needed to get to the point. Yeah, <laughs> they just stretched it out, stretch, stretch, stretch. Um, but I, I do, I do like the style that it's written in with that whole journal entries, um, yeah, putting you in the perspective of the character. Yeah, I like that. 
much, which um, has its moments, but I find that it actually makes the story drag. But you know, the idea of introducing this character, I mean, we can't get around the fact that I, I do believe that even though he did use the name, I still think there's some, um, Stoker had some influence by, by Vlad Tepish in the writing of his novel. I think so. I mean, did he visit Romania? Was he, was he not there? No, I, I don't, I don't think that he ever did. I think it was just, um, you know, you can you could certainly have read books on on history, and I mean those stories of vamp vampires have been in in folklore in Eastern Europe for a long time. So long before Bram Stoker ever wrote Dracula, these stories were already there, right? They existed. So I think that if you're able to um, you know go back and and look at that now. I don't did did Bram Stoker? Ian, are you going to check and see if Bram that's Stoker? That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to look up now. Yeah. I don't know if Good he question. did, but um, you know, certainly he must have. He must have read. Like I said, I I feel he was very influenced by Barney. I know that. Um. Yeah. That's, it's a good question. I'm really not. I'm really not sure whether he went in person or not. Um. But uh, apparently he he uh, read uh, an article um, called uh, by Emily Girard about trans Transylvanian superstition, Transylvania. which is published in 1885. So uh, apparently he had a limit. He had limited knowledge about the medieval history of Wallachia, um, and most of his knowledge came from William Wilkinson's book entitled uh, "Account of Principalities of." Well, actually, in Moldavia. Oh, well, actually, yeah. yeah. It, and that's and that's just the thing. I mean, I think that we kind of forget today that um, people read a lot more in the Victorian they era. Did. They didn't have, they didn't have, they didn't have live Facebook or Zoom right. or YouTube to exactly to talk in front of. Um, so there was a lot more reading going on, and I think that people especially writers, I think they wrote, they, they obviously read a lot about other, you know, other things. Otherwise, um, I mean, people didn't have a lot of opportunity to travel. It was expensive and, you know, traveling would have been. It seems like a ripple effect. One article, you know, mm -hmm. one vamp story inspires another, like Carmilla, it starts yeah. another one. Like you say, Varney, did I have that right? Um, yeah, you know, it seems yeah, to it starts and off, and, it, and maybe he read those, and maybe you know, maybe that sort of gave him ideas as well. You know, yeah. but it's it's finding that connection. Like I said, um, I don't think that Stoker ever wrote down that he was, you know, completely influenced by this one way or the other, because obviously he wouldn't want to do that. Because I think that as a writer, you don't want to give away where you get all your. <laughs> That's true, right? Why would you? From, yeah, right? you know, mm -hmm. you don't want to give that away because then people are going to go start reading that material and not read your exactly. material. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So you know, I think that um, at that time he was obviously influenced by Vlad Tepish. But the interesting thing I just think is how you know, six hundred years later, here we are still talking yeah. about this man. And you know, do you think he's a monster? Like, how do you guys Me? feel about Do I? That? No, not at all. <laughs> In this no. modern era. <laughs> I think he did what he had to at the time for his country and his people. Yeah, I'm kind of of the, you know, Ian, how do you feel about what he did? Um, well, just to go back a few minutes here. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. What I'm did reading is um, it says here that uh, Stoker. I don't think he actually went to Romania. Right. He just got um, miscellaneous scraps of information from Romanian history, which he then put together to to create right. a story based on Vlad. Place based on Vlad, yeah. And like I said too, there is a there, there is an Irish story as well about a king who was apparently a bloodthirsty you know, sort of, so there's a similarity there too in, in the tales and perhaps combining those two characters together, you get this, you know, Vlad, or as we just call in this Count Dracula, 
right? As we as we know him, or Nosferatu, or Count Orlock, <laughs> all of the all of the great things that come after the fact, right? Because I think that without this story, without um, Vlad's influence, we would not have this this vampire literature that we have today. That's true. It was heavily, heavily influenced, you know, the, the early writers, the early modern writers of this, not going back to the folk stories or the original, you know, stories of those, those areas, but the modern, as we can, can consider it in the Victorian era, the modern and moving forward, the writing. I mean, when you think about it now, in the 20th and 21st century, we have more vampire stories than ever. Wow. Right? There is more. I do like sure. a good vampire yes. story, I must confess, but that doesn't include <laughs> Twilight. It has to be right. You know, it, that has introduced a whole yeah, it has. Of, of young people mm -hmm. to, you know, vampires again, right? Because right. They, they're not going to want to watch. They've no always been in fashion. Anymore, Everyone loves know. them. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea of <laughs> mythical um, immortality and yet and this ability to have power over mortals yeah right I mean let's let's face yeah. it. it it really is a is it's a power play this creature everything that this creature does is about power and gaining mm -hmm. control yeah. And having immortality to do that. And and it's interesting, right? Because I like there's so many different versions of it. Like you say, Twilight, um, you've got interview with a vampire. Um, oh my gosh. Interview with a vampire. Yeah, you <laughs> your favorite Zika. Um, you got True Blood, right? The series yeah. in the books, True Blood. Vampire Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. there's the underworld series. There's so many. What's that, Ian? The Underworld uh, series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Underworld series. I mean, there's there's a ton of different, um, you know, ton of different ones. And and I think one of my weirdest favorite ones is, and it's it's kind of a sleeper movie that most people maybe I don't even know if they've seen it, but Last Lovers Left Alive. I don't think I've seen that one. I'm gonna have to look that one up. It's yeah, Tom I will have Hiddleston to check it out. We'll have and, to. Uh, yeah, it's it's Tom Hiddleston, and let me just check because I know. And oh my God, her name's gone out of my head. Why did her name just go out of my head? Um, tall Scottish actress who is kind of androgynous. Come on, come on, we know who she is. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, you do. Like <laughs> I'm not sure who she is. She played the Ice Queen in Narnia. And oh, uh, um, yeah, uh, hello. <laughs> you know who I mean. The woman. That's, oh my God. Uh, so bad that I forget her name. I know exactly who she is. Uh, my brain. I'm getting old. Look at that. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton, yes. Oh my God, my brain was just like, really? Oh, I know. I have to did. Google. It's, it's actually a really good vampire movie. Yeah, is it? I didn't know she. I didn't know she did a vampire movie. Um, yeah. And, well, and she was in, uh, and then she she did that, and then in um, my other, I think all time favorite is what we do in the shadows. Uh, I just yes. Like that. It's such a fun film. Yes. And it's she epic. was actually in the TV show too, as as one. Yes. The, uh, she showed up in an episode of of the television spinoff. Oh, did well. she? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, she did. You're right. She did. So that was. I love that show. I follow it. Vampire uh, more than once. Yes. <laughs> Again, I think without this, um, I think without Bram Stoker's. Um, using of of the Dracula name and that that we probably would know a little bit less about Vlad in this modern era. I think that him doing what he did with the story and talking about it has kind of immortalized Vlad Tepish, Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Dracul, yeah. Dracula actually we should say because his father was Vlad Dracul. Vlad Dracula. Um, 
and maybe without that we wouldn't we wouldn't know so much about this little chapter of medieval slash early you know late medieval history yeah i agree with that yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah right he might have just become one of those um people in history that fade away into obscurity and we don't know but uh here we are like i said you know 600 later years later still talking about him and then talking about bram stoker's you know sort of reinvention of this this man and this myth and and kind of turning him into you know the monster that is you know the immortal vampire that we know today because i'm not sure that those references really existed in vlad's time Right. I mean, I went through a lot of the records in that. And while they considered him bloodthirsty, which has a different connotation to it, um, perhaps that's what carried forward and, you know, leaves people with the impression that he may have drank his victim's blood, possibly. Um, which is interestingly what they said about Countess Bathory as well. That she right. And we're going to talk about her because isn't she yeah. next week? <laughs> she is next week. Next week's show is Countess Bathory. So, Elizabeth. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Elizabeth Bathory next week yeah. and, and sort of her contributions to this same genre or idea oh. of, you know. Yeah, culture. Yeah, culture. <laughs> I mean, there's been stories that she was considered a vampire as well. Right, yeah. So, and they tried know. to claim that she was the first uh, c- female serial killer as well. well but I don't agree know, with that. They, so. they, they label on people, right? As I right, said. Right, exactly. And, and I think you have to go back to the time, you have to go back to the history, and you have to look at, you know, why people end up with these labels or monikers and and sort of take it with a grain of salt because... I'm fairly certain that um, Vlad Dracula is not a vampire. Uh, <laughs> I don't Might think be, you never know. Just because he hasn't visited you, Sika. <laughs> Open your bottle of wine and find out. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> That'll be it, right? I'll uncork that little sucker and suddenly a sucker will be here. That's <laughs> what I want. I mean, I like the immortality, but if you could wind me back to about age 35, that would probably <laughs> that would be so nice. <laughs> right. You know, I'm getting a little bit old now to, to oh, stop. at this point. But uh yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a fun thing, right? So next week we are going to talk about Elizabeth Bathory. And now that we all know how to <laughs> get on here and and do this I hope, so. <laughs> I hope we got the technical issues out of the way and uh yeah yeah well yeah. you know we were always going to have a little a little bit of that um I it took me a few minutes to get in on Facebook and just set it up and that was good because I did that prior to us um prior to us launching and next week we do uh Elizabeth Bathory so we're going to talk about her and then after that we're talking about Rasputin Ooh, another interesting one. I'm so excited. They're all my favorite people. Start the show with the Boney M song. Oh, Rasputin! Come on, you guys don't. know I can't remember. I don't know that. Okay, we're starting the show with the Boney M song. Okay. All right then. You you promised us. And then our show after that is Krampus. We're going to talk about Krampus because that's yes. going to take us oh my gosh, into the beginning of December. That's terrifying. Krampus <laughs> is great. Yeah. Oh, Krampus is awesome. I love Krampus. He's a fun, fun creature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so guys, we are at four, four. Just one hand, or where does the time go? I don't, I don't even know anymore. It's crazy. I know, but this was fun, and I like this it was incredible fun. It was fun, a lot of you fun. Know, yeah, it's so much nicer than just the voice. I mean, this is yeah, it is. I think so too. There's smiling faces, and yeah, and we get to see Ian. Yeah, I know. I love that. <laughs> Usually, I see you with a baseball cap and sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 o
So Ian, I want to ask you, how did your how did your paranormal investigation go? Did you get there? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. It, uh, we went. We that. did it. Um, it was quiet. Oh, um, oh that's too bad. Like real paranormal investigation is not like you see on television. No, no, it's not. Where you don't always get ghosts things. come jumping out of the walls as soon as you set up <laughs> equipment. You capture all these EVPs. It's like no. no, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Um, no, it doesn't. Get, I mean, you know, not, no, you're right. Sometimes yeah. to places and just picked up absolutely nothing. And then yeah. I go back maybe a year later or a few months later or whatever, and then suddenly it's like a barrage of stuff. So it's just yeah. Sad. No, if you get something, you're lucky because it's yeah. not like you see it on, on television. That's it's true. Where really that is so true. It was a secret. And you didn't tell us. So where did you no, go? You didn't tell us. It was um, Butler's Burial Ground. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, Butler's, yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's fun. Was it crowded? And, uh, we've been there a couple times before during the day. And mm -hmm. there's this weird, funky feeling that you get. Yeah, it's a strange In place. this location. And this is during the day. So Trudy has been bugging me for a long time to go back at night right. to see what yeah. we get right. at nighttime if daytime feels like that what happens mm -hmm. at night and i'm disappointed to say that it's actually the opposite <laughs> so <laughs> we, we got nothing it really. is what it is yeah you can't force the spirits yeah, to come out yeah. <laughs> what do you do oh it's happened i've been there it can be very frustrating especially when it's cold outside mm. yeah but does it so was it was it busy there on halloween uh, no there? very quiet oh wow, very good. very quiet um right downtown niagara on the lake was a little busy because actually uh when we went through um the ghost walks was was getting set up and all the people for the tour were, oh. were gathering but as far as trick-or-treaters <laughs> and, and everything <laughs> in, in Niagara, no, it was quiet. It, oh, very, very nice quiet. Though. I like that when there's nobody around. I just, yeah. I mean, yeah, Butler's Barracks is an interesting, um, it's an interesting cemetery there. It's, it's kind of bizarre, right? But uh, it's not quite as bizarre as the buried cemetery. Yeah, as I say, there's a, <coughs> excuse me, there's, there's just a funky feeling. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, so much happened in that area, right? So, so when we're through this pandemic, we will definitely all need to get together. Rachel, we have to come to you. You know why? Because like Augsburg and all that, there, yeah. there's so much amazing stuff up there. Yeah, and we have a lot so going. Pretty, right? Oh, and yes, for sure. Really cool haunted spots up there that I want to check oh, out. Oh, absolutely. We'll have to. Yeah, so there's quite a few places. It's not really that far of a drive. Great. It's like less than four hours. <laughs> it's not I'm that good far. With that that yeah. would be great. I would like that. Good. We just have to, we just have to get through. Yeah. <sighs> get through this pandemic and, and yes. you know. Then we'll have lots to look forward to and hopefully you'll Thank have you. that trip to Scotland. Planning all these fun things, but I guess, guys, we'll say good afternoon to everyone. This has been a presentation, been a presentation of Mrs. Mooney's Halfpenny Threadfuls. Find out more at halfpennythreadfuls.com.